You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. On the rise as we've been looking over the last couple of weeks, we kicked off our new year uh, here at Faith Assembly with this, this whole theme of on the rise. And this is the crux of it, that we are saying we want to see God and His presence rise among us because as God rises, the Bible says in Isaiah 33 that when God stands up, His enemies run away. When God stands up, when He, when he is in rightful position, His presence prevails. And when God is on the rise, we looked at this new year and we're saying it's not what we need to do more, it's what we need to allow God to do more. It's not that we need to rise, it's that we need to allow God to rise in us. We need God to rise, and we've said this as well, we cannot get God to rise, because we can't make God do anything. We can't get God to rise, but we can permit Him to rise in our midst and allow Him to rise. We started off with the, the idea of, of up and to the right, and we, we kicked that off, living our lives up and to the right, that God would be up in, in, the, in the rightful place, that we, He would be lifted up in the rightful place of our lives. Last week we looked at help and don't hinder, that we want to be those who are agents of, of God's presence, that we're not hindering the work of God advancing, but that we become those who carry the covering of God and, and bring the love of Christ to a place that brings help and does not bring hindrance, that we can see the work of God take place. This morning, I want to share a message entitled, Raise the Stakes. We're going to look at raising the stakes this morning. So would you stand with us as we look at God's Word together in Acts chapter 7? And let me just say to you how much I appreciate, and you know who you are, those of you who pray for this church and for the leaders of this church on a regular basis, I want to say thank you for your prayers. There is a presence of God that, that has been so real, and we are feeling the prayers, and you know who you are, even if it's only a few of us, even if only a few of you, but I want to say thank you to those of you who have been making, uh, making a part of your prayer, just this church and, and the leadership of this church, and uh, what a blessing. We sense that God is working in ways beyond what we can imagine or comprehend. I want to say thank you to those of you who are praying with us and just seeking and desiring God. You're praying with us and you're praying for us. That, that, that there is nothing more, more, more greater than that. That is, I hear nothing greater than folks who come along and just say, we are praying for you. And I want to just say we appreciate that. This church and uh, this body of Christ together, as we pray for one another and looking forward to God doing a work that he is up to in our midst. In Acts chapter 7, if you have your Bibles this morning, is where we're going to take a look. Acts chapter 7, we're going to read the story of uh, actually the, the last uh, moments of a young man named Stephen. And uh, in Acts chapter 7, as we look at this brief ministry of Stephen that uh, you, we only find in a few chapters, but he shows up in the book of Acts, and the significant things of Stephen is that he is the first deacon mentioned, and he's the first martyr mentioned. Now, they don't have anything in correlation, the first deacon and the first martyr. Uh, so we are going to be, uh, 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 of course, in our next business meeting coming up, we'll be electing deacons, but I promise it's not that dangerous. It's not that, uh, at least uh, on the, uh, the front end. So no deacons were hindered or harmed in the making of this sermon this morning. But uh, this, is, this is Stephen. He's the first deacon assigned, and he's also the first martyr. And that martyr means, of course, dying for his faith. I want to look in uh, this, the, the last moments of Stephen's life, but in Acts chapter 7, look at verse 46. 
we find Stephen in a moment that he is in the temple and he's preaching. He's been arrested because some folks had, had, had uh, paid people to lie about him. Would you come in and tell a lie about Stephen because we're tired of how he's talking uh, against the temple and how he's proclaiming Jesus is greater than the temple. So let's lie about him, bring him in before the, the, uh, the religious uh, rulers and let's put him on trial. And this is what is happening. He is on trial and at the end of his statement, he's giving a long sermon. And we come to the end of his sermon. He's, he's reading, or not reading, but talking about the patriarchs, talking about those who God started with Abraham and on to Moses and, and, and uh, or Moses to Abraham and all the rest that fell in line. He's given the update. And then in verse 46 is where I want to pick it up. He's still speaking. He says, David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you ever build me a temple as good as that, asked the Lord. Could you build a dwelling place for me? Didn't I make everything in heaven and in earth? You stubborn people. This might be where it gets a little hard for the people. This is Stephen wrapping up his sermon. You stubborn people. You are heathen at the heart. And that word heathen means uncircumcised. He's talking to a group of of Jewish leaders. Do you know what an insult it is to say to a group of Jewish leaders, you are uncircumcised? (gasps) We do everything by the law. We are above reproach. We live according to the law. We make right sacrifices. And he's talking to them, calling them heathen, that they don't belong or or that they're, they're uncircumcised. And he says here to them, he says, you're heathen at the heart and deaf to the truth. Most of you, or, most, or must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? Listen to that. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? This is what is called quenching the Holy Spirit or hindering or stopping the Holy Spirit. He says, must you resist what God is wanting to do? You're stuck in a place of worship that is not real worship. Must you resist what it is that God wants to do? A little bit of that help don't hinder. Don't stand in the way of what it is that God wants to do. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? But your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, though you received it from the hands of angels. And listen how they responded. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fist in rage. Verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily upward into heaven and saw the glory of God. Listen what he saw. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and drowning, to drown out the voice with their shouts, they rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. The official witness took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is significant because if you you look at this story, Saul later has his name changed and he becomes Paul. 
the significance of that is that Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is where we first meet Paul, the apostle, the one who is the evangelist to the Gentiles, the one who helped carry the word of God, who wrote the word of God for us, the, the word of God to, from prison. This Paul, this is where we first meet him. He is collecting coats as, as, as Stephen is being murdered and giving his life and being the first martyr in the, in the church. This young man saw they laid their coats at his feet, verse 59. And as they stoned him, here's Stephen's last words. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. With that, he died. His last words are this, Lord, receive my spirit. And forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Or don't hold this sin against them. It sounds like Jesus on the cross when he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he also said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Stephen had a connection to Christ that made a huge impact. And this morning, I want to take a look at this. But look at this verse specifically, verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. How many want to see the glory of God and Jesus standing in his place of honor? I know some of you are like, I don't want to raise my hand. The man died. We're not asking us today, and here's the most important question before we pray and we sit down, or the, most, the thing to understand. Jesus didn't ask you to die for your faith before he first asked us to live for it. God is not concerned with your willingness to die. He's more concerned with your willingness to live. He's not asking us today to die a physical death. He's asking us today, will you die spiritually? Or will you die, not spiritually, but will you die to yourself and allow the work of Christ to do what he wants to do in our midst? How many want to see God rise? I want to see the presence of God rise in our midst, that God would rise up. Father, I pray today that you would Cause us to hear your word as we take these moments to just, to just be challenged, to hear and to respond. God, we ask that you would be glorified. Open our hearts to hear and, Lord, to respond to what you would say to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Raising the stakes. It's time to raise the stakes. And you may have heard that before and... I don't know what comes to mind when you hear that word raise the stakes or that phrase. It means to increase the cost or the risks or considerations that are involved in taking, a, in, in taking on an action. It means to establish a position, to make firm a position of, of what we're standing for, of what we're about. We want God to establish His position in our lives and we want God to rise in our midst and from the definition that we just read, it is going to become necessary for us to raise the stakes if we're going to see God rise and for God to do something great in our midst. When you hear that phrase, raise the stakes, some of us may come to mind or bring to mind chips on a table that, may, that, that, that are something of putting all in or someone in a place of putting everything in with their hopes of winning and, and creating chances to win more. But that word raising or the phrase raising the stakes goes deeper than just our modern understanding of what it would mean to raise the stakes. When you would raise the stakes, it carries the same idea that you would be all in or that you're making a stronger commitment, but it literally 
meant this in its root of what it would stand for is that when they would raise the stake, they would literally, some individuals were put to the stake. That when the stake was raised, there were those who would become those martyred. And we get from this word martyred or from the idea of people dying for their sins or being taken to the stakes is where we first get the concept of what it means to raise the stakes. That when the stake was raised, it meant that someone was going to come to a place to give their lives. And in most places, they were individuals who were either beaten on the stakes or they were burned on the stakes, tarred and feathered, whatever these things were in the culture and in a place. When the stake was raised, it meant that someone was going to make a statement and a stand literally with their lives. It would deepen a commitment. And for those who, who, who died for their faith, those who gave for their lives, that stake became a statement of theirs that they would decide, they would willingly die than to reject the work of God. They would willingly give themselves in order that the work of God might increase and advance. This is quite a statement, a willingness to give ourselves that the work of Jesus Christ would advance. I want you to think about that this morning. Are you willing to commit yourself to the work of God that the kingdom might advance, that the name of Jesus might be exalted? Are we willing to raise the stakes? Because let's be honest this morning, this is not a small or weak or insignificant or a small consideration. This is a big deal. If we're going to raise the stakes, it's not for those who are weak in their faith. It's not for those who are casual and Sunday Christians. It's not for those who just like the drive-by experience of coming through and getting something for their needs and going back on with their lives. This is for those who have said to you, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. It's those who have said, I see greater value in the work of God being accomplished in my life than I see in pursuing what my desires and what my dreams are all about. I guess the heart of every missionary that would go says, I'm willing to go to the stake. I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to lay it down. Whether your picture comes with something that would be put on a table with chips or whether it's recognizing that it starts with that stake being raised in both places, it means someone's willingness to sacrifice. Someone's willingness to surrender. We would agree that if we're going to see God on the rise, it would require a new level of commitment. And I would imagine even now as you hear me say those words, there's a bit of a weight that falls into your heart. A bit of a call and a requirement that says there's more that needs to be done. There's a level of commitment that needs to take place. The scripture that we just read, we would acknowledge that Stephen was rather committed to the task. He was committed not just to the work of being a deacon to serve tables and and he was called to be a deacon because he had a gift of administration and because he could serve. He helped in that first feeding program with the the Jews that had conflict and, and he came in and he served in that place. He had a gifting and an ability but he wasn't just a person who had the gift to serve with his hands but it was something of passion that was in his heart that became literally a willingness to surrender, a willingness to sacrifice. He was all in. He realized the place of risks and counted the cost. You know in his heart that when they began to drag him out of the, out of the temple, out of the, the court and take him to a place in his mind, what it must have been is he thought this is where it ends. This is where it all comes to in this point. 
But yet he recognized that wasn't where it ended because what we see is that he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing. The significance of Jesus standing is the place that when God stands, he is pouring out and receiving back. He is pouring out and receiving back. Jesus is standing because Stephen recognizes that Jesus is in position to pick him up. He's standing to pick him up because he's about ready to receive Stephen. I want God to receive my worship. Listen, I'm not asking us today, are we ready to die? But are we willing to give God a worship that he stands up to receive? Stephen gave his life and gave in an act of worship that he saw God stand up and or he saw Jesus stand up and Jesus stood to receive that. But because there was that standing, he saw the glory of God. I want to say to us today, if we're going to see the glory of God, it's becoming the hearts of people who are committed to give God a worship that when you you give God a worship, His presence, He stands up and He stoops into our midst and He receives that worship from us. Are we giving something to God that makes Him stand up and ready to receive what it is that we're bringing? Our heart of praise, our heart of worship, something that is in us that would bring Him glory. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we committed to seeing God on the rise in our lives? Are we committed to bringing God an offering? We got Cain and Abel. If you look at the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Cain, of course, was one who, who took care of the land. And the Bible says Abel, he, he had livestock. Abel brought the best of his livestock. And the Bible says of Cain that he brought a gift. And the difference was that Abel brought the best he had and Cain just brought something. Where is it that we come that when we come to God and we say, we just brought you something, does it make him stand? Does it cause him to rise up onto his feet to receive what we bring? In fact, we know the picture that the Bible says that God accepted the sacrifice of Abel. He accepted the best of what Abel brought, but he did not accept Cain's sacrifice. I want to ask us this morning where it is that in our, in our worship to God, are we bringing God something or are we deepening a commitment to bring God the best that we have? Are we bringing God the best that we have that brings him glory? Because how many see the picture that when we bring him the best we have, he'll stand up to receive it. He'll stand in our midst. He'll come to a place of provision. And how many know that when he stands up, it is an exchange that you might be given the best you have, but when you give the best you have, how many know you receive the best that he has? And your exchange or that exchange is nothing compared to the presence of God. When you give what we have, he steps in and gives us that work. He gives us that joy, that peace, that presence of God on the rise. Are we willing to raise the stakes to increase the cost and the risk? Stephen, hey Stephen, there's going to be a cost. You thought it was just cleaning off tables so that the, the, the next widows could come in and eat and to serve them their meal. Oh no, there's more to it than just serving meals at the table. You might say, well, I'm just working in the nursery. I'm just serving as a greeter. I'm just serving. I'm driving vans. I'm just helping on the media team or a safety team. I'm, I'm just helping in the parking lot. I'm just doing something on the worship team. And you look at these things and, and it's more than just a service that you're doing in that moment. There's something deeper in our heart that says we're committed to something far greater than just the service that can last for the while that people can see. It's something far greater. You might not be able to see all the 
the works and all the things that are taking place because you only have a moment in time that you're serving, but there's something deeper. I'm not serving just to do something for a moment. I'm serving because of something that is deep in my heart. When we talk about raising the stakes or being challenged in a level of commitment, I would probably recognize this morning that as we're talking about this, there are some of you, and I don't want anyone to raise their hand, But as I'm talking about the need for us to raise the stakes, that if we're going to see God rise in our midst, that we need to bring God the best and not just something. We need to bring God the best that we have and not just something we brought. And I know that when we say that, that we need to raise a level of commitment. Immediately, what can happen, and I, I, I know there's a number of us in here, that we feel the weight of needing to do more. We sometimes hear the level of commitment, and the moment we hear that, it becomes a weight on our shoulders, and that weight on our shoulders becomes this, 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 this weight that says, I'm not doing enough, I need to do more. I want to encourage you this morning and recognize today that commitment for us is identified by what we do. When someone is committed to a sport, they do more practice, they do more, more preseason, they do more conditioning, there's more, it shows their level of commitment. But the level of commitment is only recognized by the action. But the reason they're so committed is not just because of their willingness to commit to the action, but because there's a passion that's deep inside of them. They would not commit to that if there wasn't a love and a passion deep on the inside. How many would agree with that? You commit to those things that you're passionate about. So I want you to hear this morning, don't wear the weight of I need to do more. I'm not asking us or I'm not coming today to challenge us to do more because God does not want us to be just a bunch of doers. He's not called us to be doers. Yes, we're supposed to be doers of the word, but we're to be hearers of the word and and not just hearers of the word only. We're supposed to be doers, but God has called us to not just do, but to be. We're not called human doers. We're called human beings. We're not those who are just supposed to do things. We're supposed to be the work and be the body of Christ, be with the heart of God, be one with Christ. So I'm challenging you today, take off the weight of you need to do more. This message is not calling you to do more. What I want to challenge us today is not to do more, but to know God more. Write that down this morning. Put that in your heart, that this message is not about you doing more. This is a message about us knowing God more. That when we know God more, when it gets on the inside of us, those things of action become the norm. I do things out of my heart and passion that when I have a heart and a passion for God, how many would acknowledge that it will produce something of good works to the glory of God? How many know what I'm talking about? That I'm bringing God the best, that it's not just here's works for you, God, take these works, but it's from the heart that I put thought into it. There's a passion, there's a desire, there's a longing that's inside of us and it all comes from knowing God more. This, This scripture in Daniel chapter 11 And you might want to write this down and go back and read because Daniel is talking about the end times and talking about what is going to happen in Daniel chapter 11, but specifically in verse 32. Here's what Daniel says, that an army is going to come and invade. And there'll be one who will rise up who will will act as if he's helping, but really he's masquerading. It'd be equivalent to the Antichrist in our last days. That there'll be ones who say they're doing good deeds and doing good works but they really don't have the heart of God. And here's what it says in Daniel 11, chapter 32. It says, but the people who know their God will do mighty things. 
The people who know their God will do mighty things. God doesn't say, I'll know my people by the mighty things they do. No, he says they'll do mighty things because they know me. How many want to know God better and know God more that when we know him, when we know him, it's a commitment not to do more, but a commitment to know God more. Commitment is not just what we do, but it's the why we do. It's not just what we do, it's why we do. This is the issue that Stephen is addressing in his sermon. Everyone loved his, his it, maybe didn't love it, they were waiting for the moment to convict him, but everyone was okay with his whole look at history and the whole journey that he took him through. He's telling about Moses, how Moses gave the law and Moses traveled and they started a temple or a tabernacle and it was a portable tabernacle. They carried it from place to place and they went along and then this, this patriarch to the next one and then he gets to David and David wanted to build God a temple and here it is that he's, he gets to this place and everything is okay with his story until he attacks something that's personal to them. Until it gets a little personal. You know what I'm talking about? I was okay with all of this until it got a little close for comfort. It started challenge me a little more because now you're talking about something that I need to change. But I've been doing this style of worship and this has been working for me all my life. And for generations, this is what we do. What is it? We worship in the temple. We have a temple that we come and we worship in the temple. And we come and we, we take care of the temple. We do everything in the temple. We love the temple. And Stephen is saying to them, Stephen is, is, is putting them on the spot, and Stephen is acknowledging that you're more concerned with the worship of the temple than you are worshiping the one who the temple belongs to. For you, it's more about the temple, and you've lost sight of the God that you're called to worship. God isn't stuck in a temple. Stephen is messing up their world because they've always come to God through the temple. But how many know Jesus came and changed everything? And they're going through the temple. They're making the sacrifices through the temple. They're doing everything through the temple. And Stephen begins to acknowledge and say to them, and here's, here's the, the, the heart of it. They were more concerned with being in the temple and didn't recognize that the temple was supposed to be in them. They were in the temple, but the temple wasn't in them. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians Verse 6, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Which, by the way, guess who's writing this scripture? Paul. The guy that we met who is named Saul, collecting the coats of those who are killing them because of his attack on the temple. Now Paul is writing. How many see a change of events and what God has done? Now Paul is writing these words. Paul is saying, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Paul's making this point that the temple is no longer your place of worship and it's no longer just something that you worship the temple. And we can, we can sometimes get caught up in what we do for God that we, for, we forget and miss the heart and the passion of why we do it for God. How many know what I'm talking about? We can put the works ahead of the passion. And that's why I'm challenging us today. This message on commitment is not calling us out to do more. This is a call to say let's know God 
more. Let's allow the work of God to get deeper in our hearts because as we raise the stakes, it's not about what we do. It's about how we know God and how we connect with him, how we allow him to grow and to work in our lives. He says, you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body. Gloria said that already. We don't belong to ourselves. We don't belong to ourselves. Where are you this morning? Have you turned yourself over to God? Are you committed to God? If you look up that word commit, it means to consign. If you've ever been to a consignment shop, my, uh, 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 someone uh, mentioned to us and told us this, this whole chain store called Plato's Closet. What is Plato's Closet? What I've learned is that Plato's Closet is a chain store where people can bring their items and their top brand items, whatever they are, lightly used, and they will give you cash on the spot for that item. And the moment they give you cash on the spot for that item, you've consigned it or have turned it over to them. How many know that Jesus bought us with a price? And now, as a result, he took, he didn't just take lightly used. He took broken lives. How many know what I'm talking about? He took lives that didn't have anything of beauty in themselves. He took lives that are broken, lives that are distorted, lives that are, that are full of selfishness, greed, and sin. Lives, and you might say, what kind of person are you talking about? I'm talking about all of us before we met Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't met Jesus yet. Every single one of us. He took the lives of those who were broken, who, who had no hope, and he consigned. He bought us with a price. Listen, he didn't just give us 20 bucks on the spot. He gave us his life. He said, I'll buy you you back from sin I'll pay the price for you I'll consign and I'll pay a price but you just turn your life over to me and here's what he said not only am I going to buy you out of sin but I'm going to let you reign with me I'm going to make you one of my own I'm going to restore you I'm not just going to take over I'm going to take over your life and cause you to win with me because we cannot win on our own only by the grace of God and the work of God that he would accomplish in our lives when you turn something over, the farmer knows what it means to turn over. The farmer knows what it means to turn over the ground. When he makes the ground ready for something to rise from the ground, when he makes the ground ready for something to grow and something to be produced, something that has potential that's laid into the ground, before he lays that seed into the ground to watch it grow, to watch it on the rise, to watch it produce something, he turns the ground over. What's he do? He takes the ground that's on the bottom and flips it to the top. He takes what was on the bottom and flips it to the top. He covers the ground that was seen. He causes the ground that was on the top to go to the bottom. He's turning it over. It's in a perpetual, a continual state of turning over. You know what Jesus Christ has done in my life? He's turned my life over. He's taken the things that I've made significant and made them insignificant. The Bible says this, that I must decrease that Jesus or Christ or God will increase. When I go to the bottom, he comes to the top. There's a turnover. There's a turnover. I've turned my life over to Jesus. I want to ask us this morning, have you gone through the turnover? Have you been turned over in your heart, in your mind? Have you turned that over to God? Is there a turning and a preparation? Because when we turn ourselves over to God, that's where the ground is made ready for something of potential to be planted and even more for good produce to rise up out of the ground. How many want to see something rise up out of the ground? It comes with a commitment. 
And that commitment is not what I do, it's what I surrender. When I turn myself over to God, the process of salvation is a constant place of turning over. I need to close this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You might not want to put your notes away just yet. They're coming, and I'm going to wrap up here in five minutes. Raising the stakes is not about doing more, but knowing God more. Somebody say amen to that. Don't leave this place this morning saying, oh, i got to do more. i got to do more. Nope. Because the moment you think you've got to do more, you've missed what salvation is all about. I'm not saying you shouldn't serve somewhere. We should. But I don't serve out of a desire to do something. I serve out of the knowledge that God has put in my heart. The more I know God. Knowledge produces passion. Passion produces a desire. Desire is something that comes out and we do a work that honors God. Amen? I don't do for my wife because she's my wife, I gotta do this. You take the passion away, how many know it means nothing? I'm just doing it out of obligation. How many times are we showing up and it just becomes an obligation? We lost the passion. We lost the passion. We've lost the desire for the things of God. Why? Because we've allowed things that are insignificant to become more important than what is most significant. We've worshipped the temple and forgot to worship the God who the temple was built for. And by the way, the temple, that wasn't even God's idea. Notice that God never said, hey, how about you build me a house? David came and said, hey, I want to build you a house. God said, that's honorable. All right, that's good, but you're not going to. Your son will. Because even that scripture there, it says, how can you build a place for me? I've created the heavens. I I live in in the the heavens and the earth. How are you going to create a house for me? But go ahead. I'll sanction it for this season. But it's only going to be for a period in time. Because the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that the law and the things of the law was only meant for a period of time. That Jesus came and he fulfilled it. Jesus came. And Jesus changed everything. We don't worship what our hands can do. Let me, listen. You are not saved today because you came to church on Sunday morning. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you even put your offering and a tithe in the offering today. But your attendance in church and your offering in the basket doesn't get you a first class trip to heaven. The works of your hands don't produce anything. Our salvation is not in what we do. Our salvation is in our relationship as we know God. And as we know Him deeper, it causes things to rise in our lives. Commitment is not what I do. Commitment is a growth in what I know. Amen? Get that in your heart today. I don't want anybody leaving here this morning saying, oh, I feel the burden. I got to do more, do more, do more. Nope. It's not the kingdom of God. So I want you to know me more. Let me give you these three things. In, in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, the Bible says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. How many want to know God more? But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. I want to give you three things. Just write these three things down real quick, and you can look at them later. Number one, full spirit, fixed eyes, and a far reach. 
full spirit, fixed eyes, and a full reach, or far reach. If you want to go deeper in your walk with God, it takes, number one, a full spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God that is deep on the inside of us. That The Bible says out of your belly, out of your stomach, and, and it says stomach because it's in, that, in, that, in that culture, it's the seed of emotions. From your stomach will pour out springs of living water that He will fill you. That word to be full means to be controlled by. And something that is controlled, it's made stable and sturdy. And the only way something can be made sturdy is not when it's built up, but when it goes deep. Somebody say amen. You're not made sturdy because you grow tall. You're made sturdy because you go deep. When you raise the stakes that God is calling you today to raise the stakes and you lift that stake, there's a potential and there's something that needs to be done. I'm not a builder, but I've heard this, that when you build and you put a post in the ground, in order for that post to be sturdy and stable, it's got to go at least one third or one third into the ground, which means of the total, I'm only seeing two thirds of the full. What I don't see is a third that's in the ground and the most important part is in the ground. I look and I acknowledge what's out of the ground but the most significant part is what's in the ground how many know what i'm talking about your commitment is not about what you do that people see your commitment is how deep you go in your desire and your knowledge of jesus christ if you're going to grow and raise a level of commitment it's not do more it's go deeper in jesus it's know god more it's go deeper be full of the spirit number two fixed eyes on jesus fixed eyes Some of us who get so distracted so easily. And notice the commitment. Notice the the focus that Stephen would have had to have. They are throwing stones at me. When he saw Jesus, how many recognized seeing Jesus meant he had to look beyond the crowd's faces. He had to look beyond the stones coming his way. He had to look beyond the circumstance that surround him. He set his eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't look at your pain. Don't look at the stones coming your way. Let there be a deepening in your heart. And it gets deeper when you fix your eyes on Jesus. And you fix your eyes on Jesus. Full of the Spirit. Eyes fixed on Jesus. And lastly, far-reaching. Remember who was standing at the place where Stephen was being killed? A young man named Saul. I'm calling us today, church, to know God more than we've known God. And here's what happens. When I'm full of the Spirit. And in order to be full of the Spirit... And for that to go deep, I've got to move some dirt out of the way. I've got to move dirt. And when I'm moving dirt, I'm making room for God. How many know what God made you and I out of? Dirt. So we've got to get ourselves out of the way. We've got to get ourselves out of the way so that God can fill us. We've got to move some dirt so we can go deep. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And this last one, we need to be far-reaching. I want to, uh, Jacob, come on up here. I want you to pick up the other stake that I have here. Because here's what happens. Hold on there just, just a second. It's going to be one of those moments they're going to get it. But I, let me set it up here. I picked Jacob because he's younger than me. He's stronger than me. I know he's better looking than me, but you don't have to say all that. Because God has called us as a generation to reach and to lead the younger generation. To know God, to experience God. Not to teach him how to worship in the temple that I built. But to teach him how to know Jesus. To teach him how to connect with Jesus Christ. When I come to the stake 
and I come to a place and it's less of me and more of Jesus, I go deep in my walk with God. How many know that is what centers me? This holds all the weight. How many know what I'm talking about? But when I take this stake and I line it up with another stake, and I want you to bring this stake and put it right up here to this one, all of a sudden, just right up here, look at this stake. And what happens is when I start to go deep in him, it causes me to reach out further than I could reach. It causes me to have a reach that's further. Stephen gave up his life and he died in that place. He went deep in his walk with Christ. But notice, you go, Lord, you got that. There's a reach. When we allow God to rise in us, we go deep in him and he causes us to reach Saul became Paul. And I got to think this, that when Saul was, or Paul was in prison, writing the letters after being beaten, after being shipwrecked, after being cold, after going through all he went through, I just got to imagine, in the moments he said, this is hard, I wonder if he saw the face of Stephen. I wonder in moments if he heard the voice of Stephen. When he thinks his life is tough, when he thinks what's going on, I wonder if Paul in the cell, as he wrote the words, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When he wrote the words, I want to know him. When he wrote the words of desiring God, I wonder if he had moments that he saw Stephen's face and he saw him looking up into heaven and he heard his words saying, Father, forgive them. Let, take my spirit. Forgive them because they don't know what they do. In that season, I wonder the reach and the recognition. It's significant that it said Paul because it had a reach. How many want to have a reach beyond Fayette County in a place beyond this church that we would see the kingdom of God advance and for God to rise? Does anyone want to see God rise over this area, over this place to see the glory of God advance? If he's going to rise, we're going to have to raise the level of commitment. And by commitment, I'm not saying do more. I'm saying we need to go deeper. Because commitment is only two-thirds of what you see. It's one-third of how deep it goes. And so if it's going to reach higher, that means it's going to have to go deeper. If it's going to go further, it's going to have to go deeper. Do you mind holding that? Because I think we need to look at the cross this morning. When Jesus hung on the cross, the moment it was put into the ground, had a hole that it went into and it held the body of our Savior and he hung on the cross between heaven and earth because he became the mediator the sacrifice and this morning I'm saying to God, God I want to know you more I want you to be lifted up in my life, I want you to be made greater in my life, how many would say that's your desire this morning would you stand I did not realize what time it was. They're going to start rushing the doors here in a moment. Somebody just raise your hand this morning if you say, I, I want God to rise up in my life. I want, I want a deeper commitment. In my, I want to know God more. I want to know God more. Father, you see our hands that are raised to you this morning. And God, there's nothing more that we can do than to say, Holy Spirit, fill us, overwhelm us, overflow us. 
God, I pray that in our world that you would be lifted high. And, and God, help us to leave here knowing that in order for you to be lifted high, we've got to go deeper. Help us to raise the stake today, not to do more, but to know you more. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you don't know Jesus. If you would, for a moment, as you put your hands down today, I want to give an opportunity for those of you who don't know Jesus. You don't know him at all today. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand right where you are. You say, today I want to commit my life to Jesus. I need to know him. Is there anyone this morning? If that's you, just raise your hand high. I'll raise your hand high. If that's you, I want to know him. Man, God bless you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, you can put your hand down. You can put your hand down. Lord, in my life, be lifted high. You're here today and you say, I want to know him more. I want to commit him more of my life. I want to commit more of my life to him. I want to commit my life to him. I want to turn over. If that's you, you say, today I'm turning over some stuff to God. If that's you, just raise your hand this morning. I'm turning this over to God. Jesus, I'll make this your prayer today, just one time in my life. My life, come on, tell him that. Be lifted high in our world. Be lifted high in our love. Be lifted high. In my life, oh God. In my life, oh, be lifted high in our world. Be lifted high in our today we we ask God to do a work in our heart that only your spirit can do so God I pray that we would not leave today just to leave this service but God help us to carry this calling today that Lord as we go about our day and as we end our day and as we start a new one tomorrow help us God to hold this calling of commitment and to turn ourselves over daily help us oh God to die to ourselves daily to take up the cross Father, I pray that you would rise in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the service this morning. If you need prayer, maybe you want to come spend time with God. invite you to do that. But God bless you. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.